0: four-year-old child who was reportedly ordered by his father to shoot at police officers who were arresting him at a mcdonald's in utah father was upset over his drive-through food order supposedly being messed up Sh- showing up he brandished a gun leading employee to call the police he arrived and found a three-year-old in the back seat with a four-year-old who had reportedly shot at the officers <coughs> You're listening
1: to Southern Breeze with Chris Peaks.
0: Okay, Chris Peaks here this morning with Michael Letts. Michael is a law enforcement officer. He has uh, founded the company Invest USA to get quality body armor in the hands of law enforcement professionals. Michael's here today to talk about a four-year-old child who was reportedly ordered by his father to shoot at police officers who were arresting him at a McDonald's in Utah. Father was upset over his drive through food order supposedly being messed up. Sh- showing up, he brandished a gun leading employee to call the police. He arrived and found a three-year-old in the back seat with a four-year-old who had reportedly shot at the officers. Our guest is to help make sense of this. Michael, good morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. And uh, Yeah, it's quiet this is the first time this has ever happened. As far as we can tell in history, where a four-year-old child a shot and actually hit, wounded an officer, could have killed him. Generally speaking,
0: police don't or people don't pull out a gun over their order being messed up. And indeed, under normal under normal circumstances, the father doesn't order his four-year-old child to shoot a police officer. So, Correct. What this time,
1: well, I, I will tell you one of the things that we have to uh, look at society as a whole. And, you know, for the last two to three decades, there's been an organized, and very cohesive movement to destroy first responders and law enforcement on the city, the state, local area. And, of course, the impetus behind that is the fact that uh, it's the socialist, leftist, uh, democratic position that's doing this, and they're doing it through Black Lives Matter and to fund other organizations. But their purpose behind doing that is, of course, as we're seeing now, uh, it's the total control of government on a socialistic standpoint. Hard to control people when they're armed. So you have to be able to have a force in place that will bring about disarmament. And most city, state, local law enforcement live in their communities. And they're certainly not going to uh, be a part of something that's unconstitutional and deals with the people they have to associate with every day. So they have attempted to make a very persuasive argument over the years that law enforcement is racist They're not to be respected they're bad people um uh, they shouldn't have protective equipment they shouldn't be funded to defund the police movement their policies are so restrictive now that you can't do your job without being assumed that you're guilty of something and then of course the vaccine mandates you know kind of put the icing on the cake that you have the power to take a life but you don't have the power to decide what's best for you and your family and your doctor And so they've made that concerted effort. Now, why am I stating these these facts? Because the public perception has changed among law enforcement. Never has there been a time when there have been more assaults or deaths of officers in a year than we've ever had in history. The morale has been lower than it's ever been. So it's not surprising when there is that concerted effort that many people take hold now they have no respect for law enforcement. And they're passing that along. Here is what is shocking on the story. It's not just affecting this generation, they're passing it along to the next generation. And they're gonna really be in a mess in this country if we don't take some massive action to counteract what's being happening on the street today. This is a prime example. You had a person who has no respect for authority, never has had a respect for authority, he's had prior arrest. And um, he gets incensed that his order is not correct. I can kind of be sympathetic. I, my order's never been correct when I go through a drive through anyway, but you certainly don't, take matters into your own hands and pull a firearm on an employee and tell them they don't get it right, they're in trouble. So law enforcement was called. Law enforcement responded. They did the appropriate thing. They de-escalated the situation. But when it got to the point where you can't just threaten somebody with a firearm and not expect some kind of repercussion. We got to the, we're going to need to, uh, to do the arresting stage and go from there and figure, out, figure this out. He told his son to grab the firearm that was laying on the console from between the front and the back seat. To shoot the officer and surprisingly the four-year-old grabbed it uh he aimed and the officer quickly went in to grab the gun that was fast enough to deflect it it would have shot him in the head and killed him he deflected it but it hit him in the arm instead uh so this has never happened in history before and what i want to stress to your viewers is this has gotten to the point folks where it's not just affecting you and i today it's affecting america for future generations and we've got to sound the alarm and do something about it.
0: So you, you said this has never happened before?
1: before you've, heard you, of? You, you've never had a four-year-old. We, we've looked through historical archives. There's never been a four-year-old that was deliberately hit, shot and tried to kill a law enforcement officer.
0: Wow. Um, so what happened from that point right there with the, uh, the child and the father?
1: Well, here's what's interesting Uh, from uh, my conversation with the officers. There is absolutely no remorse, not by the child. The child thought he did nothing wrong. The parent was somewhat proud of the fact that uh, his child had done what he was told to do. But he's been told he's been repeating the same rhetoric. The law enforcement is not to be respected, has no uh, goodness about it at all, and should be despised and loathed. Well, what happens when you allow that to go unchallenged and it becomes a way of life in society is law enforcement ceases to exist and you go into total anarchy in the old west. And I want to use this illustration for America to understand how close we really are to that being a reality in this country. Your younger generation, three and four year olds have been ingrained now in no respect for authority. This country is in deep trouble.
0: With the... uh you know, we see instances take place. And Ninety-nine point, I'd say nine percent of the time, we don't get told the whole story. Then we see the whole video, we understand right. what happened. Does do you think law enforcement officers are getting more, um, I don't know, edgy when they pull somebody over? They don't know if they're going to be killed
1: or uh, what this person is going to do with each. There's no, there's no question. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time because you're because I'm in law enforcement. Uh, so why do officers act a little tense shall we say in a situation? And let me give an illustration. Uh, this is just in the last two weeks. Uh, in Houston, Texas, we had a Houston constable pulled over a vehicle before he could even get out of the vehicle the, the occupant jumped out, pulled out an AK-47 and gunned him down before he could even get out of his car. Now why is that significant? He was a drug dealer who had come across, the border illegally, and uh, went back across the border after committing his crime. But see, this is just happening so often that We're losing. We've never lost as many officers in the history of this country at one time. It's happening daily, literally daily. We lose an officer, and because of that, you know, if you had any common sense about you, you'd be a little leery too about not knowing where the next shot's coming from.
0: I mean, and one thing that, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I've always, you know, I got stopped months ago, and. The officer walked up and I said, um, I'm BSM license. I said, Well, I need to tell you, you know, first, I've got a firearm on me. I've got a permit, but I can't remember where my wallet's at and where the firearm's at. And he said, uh, well, I don't want you to shoot me. And I said, I don't want you to shoot me either. And uh, he laughed and said, uh, Well, okay, just give me your information. Uh, when people come up or an officer stops somebody, should they wait for the officer to get to the vehicle before they pull out their wallet? Um,
1: or should they? Have to wait? Yes. What would yes. you shoot? And and, and let me tell you what's tragic. Let me tell you, in in the olden times, you could get out, talk to the officer, roll down the window and have all, here's the information. Now the officers are just nervous as can be, and here's what they prefer you do. They prefer you put your hands on top of the steering wheel, 10 o'clock and 12 and 2 o'clock, and just wait until the officer gets there and roll down the window and then proceed to obey the instructions that he gives.
0: And... Is, when you pull somebody over, is there a window you go to, you know, driver's side, passenger side?
1: Typically, well, what happens is they prefer the driver's side. And, of course, they'll always leave their fingerprint on the rear tail light when they're approaching the vehicle. So don't be surprised when you see an officer touch your car. That's just standard protocol. But it depends on the location you're stopped in. If you're on a busy interstate and you're not very far off the shoulder, he will approach the passenger side instead.
0: Okay, and um, when an officer pulls somebody over, like, are you, when I brought this up a while ago, is that what's going through their mind through training or just through what's taking place? Is,
1: we don't know if this guy's got a weapon. We don't know what his intents are. Well, let me tell you what we tell officers every day before they go on the street. Make sure you never lose your vigil- vigilance because that's when you're going to come home in a body bag. So understand that's what they're told to do. So when they're approaching, if they seem a little hesitant, a little nervous, the first thing in their mind is, I don't know you, you don't know me, I have no idea uh, what I'm walking into. So please help me to feel comfortable with what I'm walking into. Why do I suggest that to to your listeners? When you have a very laid back, friendly attitude, hands are visible, trust me, they don't really interested in making a bad day for you. Trying to see how many tickets can write, they're probably going to give you a warning and tell you to move on your way. They want to get out of that situation just as quick as you do, and they want it to be as friendly as you do. You set the tone in the stage.
0: Good point. You know, I often hear that um, fund the police, and then the first thing that goes when they get defunding the is training. Um, Correct. I also hear people say, "Well, they need more training." It's kind of a or oxymoron when you're wanting to defund them and take away their training at the same time.
1: It? It, it is no question. In fact, I have, uh, we do this all across the country you know, on shows, and I have people say, well, do you not think there is some validity what some people may be saying? Yes, there's no question. Let me frame the issue so that we're talking about it correctly. 80% of law enforcement officers have prior military, or prior military, okay? So they understand the adrenaline rush, combat, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those people actually have been in combat situations and perhaps have some PTSD. Even officers have PTSD because of all the trauma we experience on a day-to-day basis. It's not really recognized the way it should be among our first responders. Resources are not allocated to help provide the counseling and the uh, mental stability. So yes, there are a lot of things that are valid that we could do with additional training. But as you pointed out so eloquently, Chris, all that requires resources. And see, you're, what you're attempting to do by defunding the police is remove all the resources. So it's really not your objective to make law enforcement better. It's to eliminate law enforcement. And uh, that's not good for anybody.
0: And it seems like when you mentioned earlier about the Black Lives Matter, which uh, are so often I've said of uh, burn Luton, uh, these groups like this. It's such a, seems like a small segment of the population that is taking over and in, ingraining this into a larger group because most ordinary people I talk, they don't want to defund the police. I mean, that's, no, how have we let this, I guess, how have we let this small segment take over everything that um, we're listening to this?
1: Well, it, it's very interesting. Remember I told you this is not coincidental. It's, it's a concerted, uh, recognized effort over decades. To right. accomplish one objective. And of course, that objective is to have a national police force so that it will uh, have the ability to disarm its citizens. The main objective of the socialist democratic uh, uh, leadership that are pushing these defund the uh, police movements, and they're using Black Lives Matter and Antifa as part of the uh, organization to get that done, is they want to have control. And you can't control a populace if a populace is armed. And they realize that if they, by some miracle, could cause the Second Amendment to go away, it doesn't matter because people are already armed and somebody's got to go grab the arms. And they realize the city and state law enforcement, they live with you, they go to church with you, they go to the grocery store with you. They're not going to be the ones that are going to be excited about doing something that's unconstitutional to begin with. So they've got to eliminate that and then replace it with a national law enforcement. But to tell people this is not some kind of just conjuncture, to show you what's already been done factually, the U.S. Capitol Police were just received from Congress a $648 million, huge budget, $648 million. Within that budget, they have offices that are now being opened up across the country, Miami and other places. But when you look at their charter, the only thing they're allowed to do legally is to protect the Capitol grounds in D.C. and the members of Congress didn't realize we had any capital grounds in Miami, remember the Congress there or any other place. So they're already setting the stage to put into place because you know it was the, the Capitol Police that were point, shall we say, on the January the 6th incident. And the problems that we've had in that incident, being able to get transparency of, you know, the you know, videotapes released and transcripts, emails, etc. Can't get it done. It's a cover-up going on there. So it's very clear what their objective is for down the road. And they're Quite frankly, they've done a pretty good job of it. And that's what gets back to this issue of the four-year-old shooting uh, the officer is it has been very effective in trying to make law enforcement demonized and seem to be racist and disrespected. And uh, we can change that. We, when I say we, the as you mentioned, Chris, the vast majority of Americans don't feel that way. We have been silent to this point, and we can no longer be silent
0: we have a bill right now that's just went through the uh, House here in Alabama and waiting for the set
1: through called um, constitutional carry. I don't know if you're familiar. I am familiar with it. What's your thoughts on it? I think there's, it's a, actually it's a godsend. People will say, oh, I didn't think law enforcement supported that. No, you realize how many stories I can tell you an officer getting. Because remember, there is not an overabundance of officers in this country anymore. So most officers are in a car by themselves, responding to calls by themselves, and they're gonna to have to wait a little time for backup. So you know the comfort we receive in thinking there are armed citizens out there that if we get in trouble, and this has happened, we see videotapes all across the country, an armed citizen with a, with, a, with a weapon permit stepped in and assisted the officer and it saved his life. Yeah, well,
0: one point that I made out is the- The law enforcement personnel, they're not worried about the citizens with permits. That's not going to be a threat to them in most cases.
1: Those are the guys who are the threats to people. And, you know, when you talk about constitutional carry, I mean, quite frankly, there is very few that are bold enough to carry who have ill intent. So uh, we're all in favor of arming the citizens. Now, the key to that question is... If you're going to carry, make sure you know how to use it. Oh yes, um, well, I've seen that off so often with of people who do not know what they were doing. Um,
0: right. People have asked me what is uh, what would I recommend to somebody who's never carried a firearm or is wanting to learn. I said, me, your best bet would be like a 38 Smith and Wesson lightweight. I said you can point and shoot. I said up close. I said can't get anything better than that. Um, you know, you don't need to be something bulky and something you have to try to. Uh, you know, rechamber. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on those types of weapons?
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. The other thing is you, you have to look at the uh, load velocity because I understand if you're not the best shot, if you, if you don't hit what you're looking for, that bullet travels. You don't want to hit something somewhere it shouldn't be hitting. So, you know, 38, as you know, low load velocity, it's a, it's, it's a good, uh, good caliber. 45 is a good caliber, but the fact is it's got a lot of kick to it. So you're best off with a 38 because they're easy to fire. Uh, you can be a little more accurate with a 38, and um, it gets the job done. Yeah, I, I like that. Right now, I'm carrying um, a
0: 357, too. It's a little bit uh, big, something about that right. one. I like right now.
1: Uh, I like a 45 too. Um, 45 like- is my favorite. I tell people, 45 is my favorite because it was built to stop. It wasn't built to travel, it was built to stop. <laughs> when it hits something, you don't usually get back up.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, like the friend I was saying about, he gets out and gets a little a 22. And I, I mean, I know 22 will stop. But I said, man, you should have just bought a, a pellet gun. I mean,
1: yeah, you're right. <laughs> because the other thing you don't want to do is you don't, you don't want to have to use repeated rounds to get the job done. You know, and then it makes it look like you emptied the hole. I mean, people have a bad perception. You got to shoot 10 shots to get the job accomplished. I think it's overkill.
0: Now you talked about earlier uh, the person who got out with the AK-47. Uh, you know, have one of those too, but a lot of people get confused thinking that's the How, how's the media got this to
1: people's minds. Well, let me explain two things. First of all, we use the terminology AK-47s. A true AK-47 is very difficult to obtain because a true AK-47 has a higher caliber chamber and has is automatic. What you typically have is a rifle that is designed like an AK-47 that shoots one shot at a time based on the pulling of the trigger. Um, but the media doesn't understand that, and they label everything as, a, as an assault rifle, AK-47, when it's not. But the fact of the matter is it does use a rifle round. And why is that important to distinguish? Because what we at Invest USA do is you know, we provide, since there's been the reduction and cutting of funding, for law enforcement all across the country, we help them provide active shooter vests. And for your listeners to understand the differences, when we started 30 years ago, the only thing officers could uh, would wear, the only was available, was a concealable vest—a vest you wear under your shirt. Concealable vests are merely designed to stop sidearms, and that's all they will stop. They will not stop a rifle round. Well, the criminal element has gotten more um, up to times, shall we say? In the last five or six years, and they're using a lot more rifles, or what the media will call assault rifles. You know, it's not technically an assault rifle, but it is a rifle round. And so, we had to develop new technology. they added titanium plates in a mag shooter vest. But currently, ninety percent of officers do not have that protection. And uh, quite frankly, with all the deaths that we're seeing on a daily basis of cops around the country, they need it. Now,
0: this, uh tell them again, when did you start this uh, company for the um, vest?
1: We started in 1993, nineteen ninety three, thirty years ago, and uh, we've really had to ramp it up with the active shooter in the last six years. And these will stop a uh,
0: rifle round, as opposed.
1: Stop any- anything. In fact, I've actually stopped a fifty caliber with it. Now, let me quickly tell your listeners: you'll still be dead from the blunt trauma, but you'll look good. At least the bullet won't cut you in half. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'll stop that titanium. Will stop anything.
0: And how many people or how many officers have this been able to distribute these to?
1: We've given them to thousands across the country. I think we're up to 7,500, somewhere in that area. But, but before your listeners get too excited, understand we have 1.2 million officers across this country. And when you do the calculation, 90% don't have active shooter vests. We've um, got a big challenge ahead.
0: Um, Is the, the 7,500 that they've. Have
1: they actually been put to use with an active shooter? Yes. You know, in fact, in quite a few of them. And we uh, tragically we've donated to agencies after the fact after they lost an officer to a uh, round and an active shooter as would have. I can tell you an incident close to your area in um, Decatur, Georgia. Now, there's a Decatur County and there's a Decatur City. This is Decatur County, which is on the border of Florida, uh, uh, the Panhandle. And uh, two assailants came across from uh, Florida, Were shooting up police cars during the chase, stopped at a residency, uh, this is about 2 in the morning, jumped out, went to the front door, started shooting the front door. Now, this was a huge residency, you know, solid wood door. He came down with his forty five and started returning fire. Of course, his forty did didn't go through the door, the AK-47s. These were true AK-47s. He reacted with assault rifles. Went right through the door. When the officer pulled up, uh, Officer Bidwell, Captain Bidwell from the Decatur County Sheriff's Department, he, he one of the assailants turned around, and shot through the uh, door, went right through the door of the cruiser, right through Officer Bidwell's concealable vest, and right through the other side, and out the other out the other door, killed him instantly. But my point being is, had he had an active shooter vest, he'd have been alive today. Mm. Uh, you said that there was 1.2 million officers, so.
0: It's- would that mean at any given time there's what four only four or five hundred thousand on duty
1: that's correct that's nation one now
0: so you've got roughly 350 million people and maybe four hundred thousand officers on duty at yeah we're kind time. of outnumbered
1: <laughs>
0: that i've uh, what less than one one percent of the yeah so that's- you know of these and i Connected another officer uh, interview with an officer a while back that was a field training officer. Of these, um, we see something on CNN, you know, with a police officer and some shooting. So, I, these officers, what maybe tenants is the day they are they're dealing with people. So, how often does something like this happen? One out of every 300 million stops or you know, something along those lines? I'll tell you, sadly,
1: in the older days, you could go, you could have your career and never draw your weapon. Now, uh, they've drawn daily, literally daily. Some days, it may be used once, twice, three times in a six-month period. But it has gotten that bad now to where we are not being proactive, we're being reactive. And the reason why is because of, again, what we saw in this incident with the young child. We have developed an attitude across this country that there is no respect for law enforcement. The law enforcement won't do anything. and It was deliberately staged that way. If you look at the riots that Black Lives Matter did, the frustration, people don't realize it's the frustration from law enforcement. Here you are trained to protect and to, to serve and to keep that from happening. You're put out on the scene and you're ordered to stand down. Well, the general public thinks, gee, the cops must have been to Dunkin' Donuts one time to me and they're not, they're worthless. And so it discredited them. It sent a message to the criminal element. Cops are not willing to do anything anymore. Their order to stand down. And so now we're reaping what we sowed. We have them with impunity. Stealing, going into stores, smash and grab. You see that all across the country now. They just walk in them. Walmart and walk out with a TV. Dare you to do anything about it. Um, Smash and grab in in, in retail stores, jewelry stores across the country. They... uh, you pulled over. This has happened, in, happened in, uh, in Alabama, as I recall. The officer was was wounded by just a routine traffic stop from a broken taillight. Approached the car, said, oh, you know why I stopped? He said, I really don't care. And pulled a gun and shot him. Oh, so wow. it, it, they, that, the point I'm driving to your listeners is we have allowed a small minority to create a perception that the vast majority of Americans do not support, and it's time that we become vocal and change that attitude.
0: I mean, if we keep going down a route like this, we're going to have people say, I'm not going to do that job. I don't want to be in law enforcement if I'm going to be treated like well, this.
1: You're exactly right. In fact, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, here are some sobering statistics for your listeners. According to statistics obtained by the Justice Department, BJA, within two years, you will call 911 and start getting recordings but there's not personnel to answer the call. Now, that's fine if you're calling to report somebody ran over your mailbox. But if you're calling to say somebody's at your front door with a gun and beating, trying to get in, you don't want to leave a message. But that's where we're headed, folks. And uh, I will tell you, since we represent law enforcement all across the country, one of the biggest challenges in all the officers and the sheriffs and chiefs that I deal with is uh, recruitment and retention. They're dropping like flies. This has been the we have the worst morale we've ever had in history. We've had the highest deaths. We've had the most retirement we've ever had. We've also had, we just one well, of my frustration, If I sound a little frustrated this morning, we had four thousand officers that were fired yesterday in L.A. because they refused to be vaccinated. So we lost four thousand in one hit in one county alone. We are not in a position to lose any officers. We can't get enough as it is. So that's why we're headed to being a lawless. Anarchical society, if we don't do something about it, you
0: said 4,000 were fired because they wouldn't be vaccinated. Are we still going through there? I thought we'd move past the fire.
1: I, I had uh, Chris Nilton make me happy to tell you that statement was true, but it's not. The LA County Board of Supervisors, they had been warned in December that if they did not vaccinate, they would be terminated. 4,000 said, Nope, I'm not going to do it. And they were terminated this week, Monday. Wow, I mean, I, I would have been too. I'm not taking that vaccine. Yeah, I mean, I agree with them. I mean, I mean, here's what I tell people because I've, I've done the speaking circuit on that particular issue as well is look, you're giving these officers the right to take lives, okay? And that's part of their job. They have the ability to make a call to defend, to serve, and to protect. But you're telling me they don't have the right to decide what's best for their own body based on their input from their family and their doctor and their end of the faith? I mean, that's ridiculous. You
0: know, when you talk about the officers being told to stand. I I think I made this statement, of course, some leftists got mad at me. I said, well, you know, if we'd had more Kyle Rittenhouses lighting these people up when they first started, you know, we wouldn't
1: have these problems. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, we as a society have to understand that uh, freedom isn't free. And there is a price to law and order, but we'd much rather have law and order than we would have the injustice. And uh, all that comes with that. And that's where we're at today. We have a lawless society, we have an unjust society, and even the justice system that we have, we have a two-tier justice system. Those sometimes are applied uh, severely, and others are let off free. That was never the intent of our founding fathers. Me, and
0: I, they, when they fired back, I said, look, if you don't go out to tear people's stuff up and burn people's houses, you wouldn't get killed. I mean,
1: Casey, Exactly. I mean, I've been on national debate shows, Chris, and I look at when they when they bring this issue up. I said, let, let, let's let's be realistic. The reason they're in that situation is, and I can prove to you every single time, without exception. They were pulled for doing something. Okay, even if it was minor, they were pulled. And then when they ran the um, they, two two things happened. Either they ran their background, and the priors came up, They got a bunch of priors, so it puts them in an awkward position. That hey, this person's dangerous." Or the person decided, I don't have any respect for law enforcement. I'm not going to pay any attention to what you're saying. I'm going to run. Now, when you do that, uh, we have no way of knowing why are you running. Did you just kill somebody? And, uh, you know, I mean, you're a danger to society. We don't know. You put us in an awkward position where if we do nothing, uh, in fact, this happened recently, where uh, because of liberal policies, they changed the chase policy for a department and you could only chase if people were were, uh, exceeding a certain speed limit. And so this person took off. He had to back down by red. And rather than to do what you would do in that situation, we'll pick you up at your house later. He didn't go home. He went out and killed three more innocent people instead. So um, how do you tell that to the family members that that should have never happened?
0: Yeah, that's um, interesting that you brought that up because I've often wondered about that. Uh, that, That's, that's, I mean, what's your take on that i mean if you're driving 120 miles an hour through a city i mean you keep going i mean that's um because yeah, i understand what you just said but then you're putting people in danger too what
1: do you what do you think about that well i tell people it's, it goes back to the same issue of the vaccine we mm-hmm. have to have properly trained officers but then you have to give them the discretion to do their jobs in this particular instance, you just raised i'm chasing running right through the streets I'm trained correctly and I'm using proper discretion. I've got units up ahead that are going to block the unit. I can back off knowing it's covered. If I don't, then if, I, if I'm a young cowboy and you decide I want to do it myself, then I pose a threat to myself and to the rest of society, even though I am an officer. But training takes care of that. But we can't do that if you're trying to cut their budgets every day.
0: Um, you know, one thing I've noticed through, uh some of these instances, like I said, they'll Show on CNN. And then they play the whole tape. And I uh, probably not going to like when I say this, but a lot of these people bring this on themselves.
1: <laughs> um, There's no question they do. And, and that's what I was just referring to earlier on, on these stops. Two things happen. The vast majority of them, 90% of them, we're dealing with priors violent priors. I mean, you know, you, you, when we stop you and you've already had priors and you're saying to yourself, well, we ever get out of the car, I ain't going back. I'm going to fight it out. Uh, And it never should be that way because if we had uh, solicitors and judges that would do their job instead of being political and would sentence people according to the guidelines, it wouldn't be out back on the street to begin with. But to the other few that it is their first time incident, uh, and like I said, very few happen where it turns out badly. It's because you didn't know how to react. You decided to be scared. And. To flee. That's the last thing you want to do because it sends the impression why are you fleeing? Are you a danger to the rest of society? And now I'm forced to pursue, and that usually doesn't turn out very well.
0: And, you know, when we're talking about priors. I don't think, you know, I, I, I've been in trouble before, but, you know, I've misdemeanor stuff. Um, right. But-
1: now, they're, they're, they're not worried about, you know, I mean, you know, small instances. The, the priors I'm talking about are violent priors. Murders, rapes, um, uh, things along those lines, you know, armed robberies, to where they show violence tendency. And those are the kind, you know, they're going to be violent to an individual, especially the way society has been trained now. They don't care about respecting cops anymore, so they're going to be violent towards you, too. It's going to be a knockdown, out. Sorry, when you said
0: earlier uh, about um, cops are racist, uh, that y'all, y'all get up every morning to stop somebody of another race, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's what they're trained. They, or is, that, is that part of the police academy? Because I mean, we hear that every day that cops are
1: racist. They're looking to... Um, they do. You know, I mean, uh, we hear that every day. Here's what people don't understand about making uh, the statements that are made by the mainstream media. Cops are racist. Of course, it is very evident that there's only racist on one side. It happens the reverse. It's never a racist issue. But here's the other thing that they don't understand. And, and I, I know people criticize it sometimes because I speak too frankly, but I'm not, never going to change. The highest criminal element is in the black community. Uh, you may not like that, but that's just the facts. Okay, that's statistics, that's the facts. It will back up everything that I say. So they the black community needs more enforcement than anybody else if they're going to have a peaceful environment. But yet when you try to project that everything is racial, you cause tops to want to say, you know what, I don't even think I'm going to that neighborhood. I don't want to have to deal with being called a racist when I'm not. So they're cutting off their own nose despite their face and they're hurting themselves.
0: Excellent point. Uh, and I've often wondered, too, about when they say the cops are racist, well, what about the black cops? Are they racist against their own? Because we have lots of black officers that I, that
1: I deal with every day. Sure have. You know I mean? It, 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 here's what I find ironic, and this is in the news, okay? You have the Georgia Florida issue and everybody went nuts, okay? You know, a white officer on a black, on a black society. Uh, we had two white, Civilians, we female, on um, the January 6th incident at the U.S. Capitol, Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boylan, both killed by black officers. Um, and I will tell you, people are shocked about you representing cops. We do, but I'm not going to represent anybody who's wrong. And the, the tapes clearly show there was never justification for deadly force in either one of those. Never. One of them was actually unconscious before deadly force was used. There's no excuse for that kind of behavior. Yet I hardly don't see any kind of reaction uh, in the communities at all over those two incidences. Yet if, the, if you had reversed it, that would have been the head of the news story for 24 hours for at least six months. Oh, you're Keeping exactly right. Like now, uh, which one? I I don't think I know about the one that you said deadly force was used, which is unconscious. Yeah, Roseanne Barr, he just came out. I just, I've I've been doing the national tour on that in the last week. Um, Came out by accident. There's a video that shows Roseanne. Roseanne Barr, we knew she died. Okay, but the coroner ruled that she had died of a drug overdose on that day, and the drug overdose was Adderall. Well, of course, you know, Adderall is only used for attention deficit disorder. Never heard of anybody ever overdosing on Adderall. Period, anywhere in the country. But in this particular incident, uh, you remember they've kept 14,000 hours of video they've refused to release. Well, they released one on another request and in the background, you can actually, and when it's blown up, it's very evident. You can see that Roseanne uh, is laying on the floor unconscious. Then you see a young black female officer come over, take a a wooden baton and a steel rod and begin to beat her on her skull incessantly 45 minutes later she was pronounced dead now here's the issue the coroner i, I would challenge the coroner did you do the cat scans? did you do anything to see if the blunt trauma to the head which we now have on video had anything to do with her death um, and if you didn't why didn't you and if you did why was it not released Those are questions that right now people on the hot seat for and it's going to get a whole lot hotter because we're not going to let these issues go undisputed and unrecognized. It's wrong to the victims, it's wrong to the families. Wow, Uh,
0: so 14,000 hours of tape that they've withheld?
1: They still have withheld 14,000 hours. People say, wow, how can you have 14,000 hours? Well, I understand for a minute how big the U.S. Capitol is, how many cameras are in there and each camera rolling for seven, eight hours during that incident. That's that's a lot of hours.
0: So what else is being uh, uh, covered up in that January 6th? What was that? What else is being covered up? What did you, you say? You said I mentioned a cover up earlier. What, what all do you think is being covered up
1: that took place? Well, there? Uh, I, I think there was a narrative. In fact, I'm very, very comfortable. The narrative was to show that conservatives, I Trump supporters at the time, are bad for this country And so they knew that they were coming to the Capitol and they wanted to stage a drama that would portray them the way their narrative that, you know, they were coming to overthrow the government. There are so many problems with their theory because of the fact that, hey, I've been to the U.S. Capitol quite a few times, more than I care to remember. And those steel doors, heavy doors, are magnetically locked. They don't open unless somebody opens it. They could not have penetrated the Capitol unless they were allowed to do so. Uh, you took it to some of the videos that people took on their cell phones. These people are just tourists walking around. Hey, I'm a taxpayer. I wanna see my, my, my US Capitol. I wanna see what's going on. I wanna see this vote being cast about electoral college. And to charge them with um, trespassing is just ridiculous. And then to keep them for a year without a trial, without even a bonding, uh, is unconstitutional. And then to have two people, Ashley Babbitt being one, and now the videos have come out on Ashley to where she was first deemed a terrorist and was trying to break in and uh, harm uh, Congress uh, members. Now it comes out the video actually says the opposite. She's yelling for people to stop. She's asking the police, where is your backup? Get some help in here. And she was shot anyway. She was unarmed. But posed no threat. And here's the final kicker: When there is an officer involved shooting or death, it is automatic by protocol that you seek an outside agency, a big agency, a state agency, etc., to conduct an investigation, an independent investigation. whose findings are then turned over to the prosecuting attorney for review before they determine how the outcome of that case should be. In both of these incidences, and Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boylan, the investigation was done internally. You cannot do an internal investigation on yourself. Sorry, but I say you're not capable when it doesn't look good. It's not right, and that's why we have protocol against it. But in both of these incidences, that was what was done. Uh, Things were done out of order so often, and evidence withheld that the American people have a right to question whether there's a motive behind it, whether something's being covered up and why. And we still don't have those answers.
0: Oh, so yeah, this is news to me about what you said she was saying. Where's your
1: backup? Mm-hmm. It's all on video, it's all on tape. And you remember, they didn't even give those tape. Now, they finally released those 13 months after the incident.
0: What is Congress investigating? Are they looking at this or is this is all just coming down on
1: Trump? And no, here's why I'm laughing. Uh, the January 16th uh, committee is only interested in one thing. They're interested in trying to find out some tie in that Trump or somebody, some conservatives, they made this a deliberate plot to overturn an election and overthrow the government. Um, sorry, the evidence is just not there.
0: So, this is yet again another witch hunt uh, after the Trump
1: administration. So there's a lot yeah, but we just talked about the deaths of two U.S. Citizens is valid and has outstanding questions that deserve an answer, but yet nobody picks them up. And this is um if the
0: media who again is ignoring something for their own uh
1: narrative. But, yeah, that, you you hit the nail on the head. That's not part of their narrative, it doesn't advance what they're trying to accomplish. So they want to leave that one alone.
0: And uh, you know i don't I don't know where how this is uh, became um, part of the uh, people who are reporting because they're all, they're all in this together